Hooper now offloads. Oh, so close, still short. Blaubanga. There he is! He's over! Hey there, and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. We are two diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We're real, family-friendly, and positive. So get involved. Get involved. Now, you might have noticed from the tone of my voice that I am not as jovial as I normally am in beginning this podcast. And we also stated in our little intro that we are positive. But normally, normally tonight... Tonight, I am just going to tell you that we are not going to be positive, okay? We are going to be releasing two episodes this week. The first episode, which you are currently listening to, is going to deal entirely with the current Waratahs situation with the sacking of Rob Penny. As we record, it is about 8.30 on Sunday night, so the news has dropped about an hour and a half, two hours ago. And the second podcast of this week is going to be covering the Wallaby squad announcement, or at least the training squad announcement, and then the review of the two weekend's matches, as well as a preview of the upcoming round. So that's that. Mitch, why don't you quickly run through our socials, and then we'll jump on into the big breaking news. Awesome. Well, we are on Instagram at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. We're at Twitter at at pick underscore drive rugby. And we are on Facebook. So just search for the pick and drive rugby podcast page and you should find us. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Okay. So if you have somehow got your head under a bit of a rugby bush or perhaps you've just been away from um, social media or internet for the last 24 hours, Rob Penny, the Waratahs coach, has been sacked after losing the first five games of the season, as well as having not the greatest 2020 season either. Now, this has been met with resounding condemnation upon the interwebs, the interhighway, and the reasoning has been blasted wide and far about why this has been done. So what we're going to do is in a moment, I'm going to ask Mitch what his initial response was. We're going to just talk about it from a reactional point of view, what we felt when we heard or felt and thought when we heard the news. Then we're going to take a bit of a step back, deep, deep breaths, and then think, what are our considered thoughts about this decision? Once we take our blue tinted glasses off, was it actually a good decision? We'll then touch base with some listener questions because we've had a lot come in about this and then ask the question of where to from here. So Mitch, where were you when you heard this news and what was your initial response? <laughs> I was sitting down to do my little last bit of prep before the podcast tonight. I was watching the mini for the Waratahs and Reds game. I uh, thought for some reason, I'll just quickly have a flick through Instagram and see what's on there before I start the little mini off. First thing that comes up is Waratahs, a massive announcement, opened it up and just could not believe what it said. I thought they were saying something along, it was going to be something like Michael Hooper's extended his sabbatical or, you know, update on the player welfare or something. I don't, but I really was not expecting this. And I was just absolutely, I just saw red. I punched the table, punched my fist down. My wife came running in from the other room. What's wrong? What's wrong? Um, yeah, I just, I, this was the worst possible decision they could have made. Um, and I was just, I'm, I'm speechless. I really am speechless. I just don't know why they thought this was the best option. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm still in shock. 
Ando, what were, that, what were your thoughts? <laughs> seems very much like, yeah, that seems very much similar in a way to my reaction, almost like the visceral kind of raw frustration I felt when I read it. Um, my family had just been to church. We were in a car park. Um, <laughs> I just kind of sat in a car and I got a notification uh, from Twitter about the Waratah's massive news. And I think somebody had tagged us in the post. And so I, I opened it, had a look and just went, oh my God. And my wife just turned and looked at me and said, what, what's, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I was like, <laughs> the Waratahs have just sacked the coach. And she said, oh, Okay. Because <laughs> she doesn't care. <laughs> but I was just so, fr- I was, I just, you know, when you you hear bad news and you, I can't describe it as otherwise, except your heart just drops. So there's not a good way of describing that, but something within you just sinks. And that's what I felt because deep within me, I believe that this is the wrong decision. And I felt this way for a while and I was worried that this was going to happen about two weeks ago um, when the high performance committee and the board were meeting to discuss the future of Penny's position. And it was a bad idea then. And it's a bad idea now. And nothing tangibly has changed in that time period. It's the so it's I a worse decision that. now than it was then. If anything, I think so. the fact that they came out so. in support of Penny and said, no, we're not at a point where Penny's the problem here. He's got our full support. It just makes it even worse that they've now come exactly. out two weeks later and, and then flipped on what they said. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's a frustrating thing. Um, there's, there's just a kiss of death when you have that kind of, oh, yeah, he's, the, the coach has the full support of the board and then you know that he's definitely leaving. But we never even got that. It's like, no, he's still going to be in the job. It'll be fine. Um, so there's just... Okay. I want to and go was, through a couple of quotes. Just, one other thing. I was just sitting there with yep. this hollow feeling in my stomach, just thinking, why are we back here? Like yeah. there was another yeah. situation that like this, I was thinking back. I don't, I can't put my finger on what the actual scenario was then. Was it the Falau thing? I don't know. Maybe. I think it, it might've been the whole Falau situation at the time, but I, I don't recall being that surprised that the, with the outcome that they went with. But I just remember there was some big rugby news in the last sort of two years, two or three years, where I remember getting the results and just, or the, hearing the news and sort of just sitting there dumbfounded with this hollow feeling like, oh, why, why do I keep following this sport? This is, this is painful. This is where I'm sitting at right now. Um, and we're back out there again. It's fun times. <laughs> we're suckers, aren't we? We're yeah. absolute suckers. Um, Now, I want to read a couple of quotes that are coming from some of the news articles about this. Um, I'm going to be doing so coming from a Fox Sports article written by Christy Doran, who I know that um, Fox Sports generally don't have a particularly good take on rugby at the moment since they lost the rights to it. But this article by Christy is pretty decent on it all and just says it as it is, as well as going from the rugby.com.au article. Okay. So in the second season of a three-year deal, 56-year-old Penny was battling to extract consistent performances from an inexperienced squad. This is now coming from a board statement. The Waratahs acknowledged that Penny has been coaching an inexperienced roster of players relative to the other states. However, following match reviews, the board was not convinced there was enough significant improvement in the team to have him continue in the role. Do you want to have a quick response to that, mate? Do you... 
what do you what do you think about that initial comment that there's not significant improvement in the team to have them continue in a role despite their acknowledgement that it's an inexperienced roster of players relative to the other states? It doesn't make sense is the first thing that I think of when I hear that. In what were they expecting to happen? What kind of results or improvements were they expecting to see? Were they expecting us to beat the Reds? Were they expecting us to beat the Brumbies? I I don't know what they were really expecting us to do, considering that from where we were two weeks ago, we've lost more players. We've had more injuries. We have had the center combination come back this week, and we we thought they were pretty good, um, and we thought that was a step forward. But... Overall, I don't know what what they were expecting to see. If we look at Queensland Reds from where they started with Brad Thorne, there was a good two years where they didn't have a massive amount of improvement. Um, and it only got into the, sort of the beginning of that third year when combinations really started to click and they got up onto that momentum. And, and now look where they are. So, I, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that the New South Wales board is thinking that within the space of two weeks, without changing anything holistically, that we were going to see improvement. Exactly. And I feel like it's also not taking into account, A, those injuries that you mentioned. So having two of our best players who were Wallaby squad members in Dempsey and Swinton be injured, as well as the fact that we were facing the title, uh, the the ladder-topping team as the Queensland Reds, you can't expect a team that's in a situation like the Waratahs to beat a team which is on fire like the Reds are. And the Reds didn't even play at their best last night and they still smashed us. And so there's just all these extra reasons that make me go, what is getting rid of the coach actually going to change at this point in the season and where the team is right now? If we were an English Premier League competition where there are 29 games in a season, we've got three, four months ahead of us. Yeah, okay. I can understand it to a greater extent. But when we have what three, three games left, games left with the what potential the hell is the point with the potential New Zealand competition after that. But yeah, yeah, yeah three, yeah. So like three I solid games. Just don't understand the point of it whatsoever. There is absolutely no logic in getting rid of your coach at this point of the season. And my thought within this is that it's been mentioned that he's not going to have his full three-year contract uh, paid out and that he's leaving after an interim period on his contract extension. And I wonder if they had left it till the end of the season, whether they would have been required to pay him out the full three years. I really hope not. I just, that was another thing that really riled me up when I saw this too, was that there was mention that they weren't paying him any more. They weren't paying his contract out. It was kind of, um, this is the end of your contract and you're done we're not paying you anything else from here. And that is such a poor thing to be doing in the current situation. It's not like we can't afford it at the moment. We were a million dollars below the salary cap this year. Yep. So where has that money gone? We're now, we've now freed that up for the foreseeable future in that we don't have a coach on the books. So the fact that we can't pay him out something, even if it was we'll pay you to the end of the year and we won't pay you for next year. But the fact that they've said, no, we're not paying you anything from this point forward is really, really sour in my my mind as well. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, this we're now into our considered thoughts here because we're actually speaking with a little bit less passion and anger and now just 
responding to what we actually think about the situation. But yeah. I think it's fair to say that everybody is in agreement that this isn't Rob Penny's fault. No. I, if I wasn't such a, like, I'm literally sitting here in my Waratahs uh, kit and I've been wearing it. I wore it to church earlier today um, and got a few questions from people. They're going, why? That's pretty brave of you to wear that today, mate. Um, and I thought, nah, nah, I'm a supporter. I'm going to keep doing it. You couldn't even, leaving, you couldn't even say, you couldn't even say I'm in mourning. Because you didn't know at that point. We, we didn't know at that point. That's correct. Um, it's just, I just struggled to see how, like I said before, how getting rid of Penny changes anything. But how also there aren't these supposedly intelligent and capable members on the high performance committee, as well as on the board, who can understand the overall picture and recognize their own, their own role in the decline of New South Wales rugby over the last five years. Um, so since Michael Checker left in what, 2015, we won a 2014 super title, mm-hmm. um, made the finals in 2015, he left, and then we've made it once in 2018. Since Wasn't 2015 then. his first year officially with the Wallabies? I think he was doing both. Well, did he do both that time. year? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, we made um, the World Cup final that year under him as well. Yeah, so with those two, it was just um, since then, since the, since that time, we've basically had incredibly poor recruitment. We've had very poor roster management and we've had incredibly poor um, future planning in terms of player experience, in terms of obviously player recruitment and retainment, but as well as just in general, the, the coaching setup. And the support that's been provided to the coaches in terms of player pathways for the youth system. I mean, that's one of the things that um, was being said before, that there were massive issues or that Penny was highlighting the need for improvement within the player pathways in New South Wales rugby. He says, and I quote, we need resources and we need to strategically recruit in a couple of areas so the organization can move forward more quickly than just relying on the youthful guys to come through. There's a whole lot of issues that have culminated in what is now a very ugly looking run of games. And if it wasn't for the caliber of people in the organization and a caliber of men that are in the group trying to do the jersey proud, then this would have blown up and disintegrated massively. And he only only said this last night. Yep. He said this in in the press conference last night after they lost to the Reds. Yeah. Yep. That's... So he obviously knew that something was coming. Um, but the the big question that I have is not, inherently I disagree that Penny is the one responsible. So who bears responsibility for the poor organization that the New South Wales Waratahs is and has been for at the very least the last five years? And that's not the coach who's in his second season in a global pandemic with a youthful and inexperienced squad under a board that's not giving him the full salary cap to actually retain retain a team with. So in my mind, you have the CEO, who um, that's Paul Dorn. Paul Dorn, yeah. Paul Dorn. And then you've got the, the board. So the entire Waratahs board need to be counting themselves as culpable or responsible for the situation that the Waratahs find themselves in. And if they, they've made the decision now, they're not going to go back from it. They sacked him. Okay. We have to accept and deal with that. But the question is, okay, well, do, do the people at the top just remain unaccountable? Yeah. Well, and at my, yep. Yeah. My, my basic thought is at this point, it seems to be 
they seem to be Teflon. There seems to be no level of accountability from a board or organizational level who were the ones that are actually responsible for creating the context, organizational context in which the team find themselves in. Yeah. I mean, I've got questions around who's actually in control here. Now, we haven't been able to find out from a hierarchical point of view whether Paul Dorner's the CEO sits above the board of directors and has the final say or whether the board of directors sits above Paul Dawn as the CEO and they have the final say. Now, a lot of what is currently coming out, I, we haven't heard anything from Dawn. He might have had a few mentions in there around in that, um, the press release and said a few things trying to support Penny in, in what he did here. But it very much looks like Roger Davis was the one who made this decision and has carried out this whole plan of getting rid of Rob Penny. I just a quick quote from Brett McKay to support what we're kind of saying here. And I quote, if the New South Wales board want to see improvement, they need a mirror. The team's position is completely in line with the mismanagement and self-sabotage decisions the board has made. You can't lose as much experience as they have and expect improvement. It's madness, idiots, all of them. <laughs> and that's just a, it's just, it's a perfect summary. It's an absolutely perfect summary of the issues at play and just how this entire situation that we're talking about right now is almost just incomprehensible to, incomprehensible to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm really just struggling to wrap my head around the decision-making process. It's like, I'm, I'm a teacher, as I've mentioned previously, and I have a leadership role within my school. And I'm a part of the decision-making process that happens within that school. And I just do not understand how this this board with highly intelligent, highly capable businessmen and women have made this decision considering the evidence that is apparent to everybody else around them. Like it's, it's unfathomable to me that this decision has taken place. And I think the board needs to provide far greater explanation as to why this has happened. Because you look at the crowd that was out at the game last night, I'm probably thinking it was in the same reason region of about 4,000. That's generous. That's generous. Yeah. yeah. Well, our last estimate of the game at um, Bank West was around about two and a half, three. And that was yeah. actually touted as four and a half. So I'm saying probably four or maybe a bit under. And there's hardly any support for the Waratahs at the moment. The, hardly any listeners are, ch- are watching the games. It's only the diehard fans that are still there or the people that are just masochists like us. <laughs> um, so I think from here, how do you feel if we go and start chatting through some of the listener questions? I just, I just wanted to say drive. one last thing around my considered thoughts. And yeah. it's the real yeah. kicker for me around this whole situation is that there's actually no... Um, secession plan here. So they've Mm -hmm. come out and they've said, okay, Penny's doing horribly in the the head role of the Waratahs. He's got us uh, record losses, bang, 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 bang. He needs to go. So they've sacked him in the middle of the season and they haven't come out and said, we've got someone else in mind. We've got a new uh, coach that's going to step in. They've just sacked him and said the, the current assistant coaches will step up until 2022 when we can announce who we're replacing him with. Now, I could not maybe understand if they would sack Penny if they had someone on the side who they'd already lined up and said, you're going to step in and you're going to take over and we think you'll be more successful. Maybe you're some hidden great Australian rugby coach who no one's heard about 
who just knows New South Wales rugby down to the ground and is just going to be fantastic. And he's sitting with the board at the moment waiting to be unveiled. Maybe that's like the best outcome that isn't ever going to happen. But that would make a little bit more sense why they would come out mid-season and say, all right, we're going to cut ties with Penny because we've got this great option B coming. And it's going to be great. Everyone's going to love us. We're going to be brilliant. We're going to win Super Rugby next year. That's the only scenario I could see why you would do this. They've now announced that they've cut the head coach. They've disenfranchised the players by doing that, who by all accounts had the support or they supported Penny. They were well and truly behind him. We hadn't heard anywhere saying that that Penny had lost the change room. And now they've kind of left in this horrible situation of record defeats against every team they've played this year to go on for the next three to four games to play without a coach. So the situation is even worse. I don't know how these board members think that by getting rid of Penny right now, it's going to fix this problem. It just makes no sense to me at all. I fully agree with that. And um, Tom Decent has written a fantastic article about this. It actually gives a little bit more information into the decision by the New South Wales Rugby CEO, Paul Dorn, being the one, along with the High Performance Committee, recommending to the board that Penny's contract be torn up. And ah, so it was Dorn. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to listen to this. Uh, quote this and get you to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, Upon examination of our results this year, with the five losses at eight, three of them being record losses, but losses, but also falling on from last year's team performances, the board made the decision that clearly hasn't met the standards of our organisation. As a result, we've made the decision to terminate Rob as head coach for his accountability in that on-field performance. The decision was based after a review of last night's game. Rob is a consummate professional. Blah 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 blah. Um, Now, if we're going to make this decision, you also have to provide the opportunity to give the interim solution an opportunity for the last remaining Super Rugby AU games and then look forward into what what it might mean for the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman. There's still weeks to play. Wow, cool. There's weeks to play. That's why we make such a classic decision now. Anyway, um, asked why there'd been a change of heart when when he'd said that there was no talk of cutting Rob Penny or that was a long way away. This is the important bit now. This is an oh, ongoing okay. cumulative impact of things. Clearly, the advice the chairman might have said previously, the coach had our full support and he did. We kept providing resources and opportunities for Rob. But in the end, when we sat down after last night's game and looked at the total of this year and last year and what was ahead, it was important for us to make that decision. So number one, they've been giving him resources and opportunities. But then number two, why was it important for them to make that decision now? And what are the resources? What were the opportunities? Yep. Yep. hundred percent. A, what are the resources? B, why does that, why, why is it important for that decision to make now? Saying something is important. A decision needs to be made. Well, actually, no, a decision doesn't ever have to be made. You make a choice to make a decision and a choice is based on particular factors and a particular expectation of outcome. So they expect that by sacking the coach with three games left in the rest of the season, it's going to turn around. And that by promoting the two assistant coaches who now have to do their assistant coach load, as well as the head coach load in an even more turbulent environment, that that's going to improve the team or the organization. It's, it's just illogical. It genuinely doesn't make sense. And none of the information or the reasons that have been listed are, are logical. And there's no there's no support to get rid of 
Penny. There, ne- there was no one saying that we needed to get rid of Penny and he was the problem. From yep. the majority of what we have spoken about already and, and read about and, and said is that we could all see that getting rid of Penny was not the solution. He, no yep. one could have done better than, than Penny in this situation. It was just a horrible situation to find themselves in. All right, we're going to move to the listener questions and comments and we'll start with Simon Nelson. So with Rob Penny gone as Waratah's coach, will you guys become Force fans now? Mitch, I'm pretty sure you've already bought your Reds membership for 2022, is that correct? It's a hard one. That's a very hard thing to say (laughs) right now. The fact that it's a hard one is an incredible statement. How long have you been a TARS member and your family been TARS members? I have been a full Waratah's member since 2012. Every single year I've had. So that's nearly a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's you something... are genuinely considering changing. Oh, I'm, I'm generally considering it. And it's, I think it's something we'll talk about when we get into our next segment of where to from here. But I'll briefly touch on it. I feel at the moment, and one of the things I've been talking about to my family and to my wife once this news broke, is that I personally have lost complete faith in the Waratahs organization, the board members and the CEO for this decision that they've made. And as a rugby fan, I no longer want to be giving my hard-earned cash to those C- to those members. Um, and so I'm finding myself in a position where I don't, I want to support the players, but I yep. don't think that by me going to the games, it's actually helping the players all that much. If anything, it's fattening the the wallets of the the board members and and the CEOs and the uh, supposed leaders of the organization. So I'm wondering whether I now have to do some kind of boycott of the Waratahs to try and make my point um, that I'm not happy with what, how things are going. Um, but in saying that, uh, no, I won't be going for the force next year. I'm, I'm very much leaning towards the Reds. So yeah, we may see me donning a Reds jersey next year. Yeah, for me, uh, sorry, sorry, Simon, I won't be going for the force. Uh, I like the force, but I'm not going to be changing across to them. If anything, I'd go to the next closest team, which would be the Brumbies, because I could actually drive down to see a match. Um, oh, what about the Rebels? Just do the commute home. What about the Rebels? Come on. Everyone supports Eight the Eight-hour drive. No, thank you. No, no, thank you. That's very far. Um, yeah, it's a far way to I Brisbane too. Do that. It's a long way to Brisbane too, my friend. <laughs> this is true. Okay. Hugh Tyndall. Penny was dealt a poison chalice and I feel sorry for him, but even guys like Paul Cully have rationalized this as the correct decision. Still, the board needs to take more accountability for this. Just wonder how the players will feel. Has their boss been stabbed in the back? That, I'm not sure if been stabbed in the back. I just think he's been stabbed in the face by a friend who said that he wouldn't stab him in the face. <laughs> If that, oh, he's, if that he's definitely been sense. stabbed in the back. They came out two or three weeks ago and said he's got our full support. So uh, No, they didn't say he's got a full support. They said that any talk of sacking him was a long way off. But they said at the time that we have he has our support at the time. So yeah. you, you would think as Rob Penny that you have their support, that you will sit through the rest of the season and maybe in the off season, you will have some hard conversations to have. But not after a loss against the Reds. You just you get a call the next night and say you're we're, we're sacking you immediately. To me, that does ring of being stabbed in the back. Nelson Scoop Dale, the board is in an absolute shambles. This is a deplorable decision, seeing the circumstances they presented Penny with. What action can we take as fans to help force change at the board level? Um, well, one thing that I will say, and it's already started. There is a fan group on. 
Facebook, um, Waratahs Fans 2021, and one of the members even a few weeks ago when they started talking about sacking Penny and we all knew it was the wrong decision, has put together a petition to to say, sign this, we want to get rid of the board. So that's one thing that's already on in the works. So there's probably, we'll see in the next few days, a few more petitions start up. Um, So I guess as fans, the only thing we can do is to, to show our real dissatisfaction with what's happening is either sign petitions like this, make it known that we're not happy or just stop attending. They need to get, they need to get the message when the, when they're already getting record low crowds, they do something like this and even less people start turning up. That will be the only thing for me that will start to show that, okay, actually maybe the fans aren't too happy with what we're doing. I personally think that there needs to be some, like that the, problem that i'm seeing and that you spoke to just before was that there is becoming an even greater disconnect between the fan base and the organization and one of the ways in which that disconnect can be bridged is by the organization fronting up in person so the fans can actually speak directly with them be they board members be that the ceo and i would suggest that there should be fan meets opportunities for the fans to come and voice their concerns to ask questions to hear the responses to challenge the decisions that have been made to feel like the fans actually have some level of input whoa, whoa, the whoa, whoa, of the club. hold on hold on and are you suggesting some kind of fan day for the waratahs <laughs> no i wouldn't be thinking that at all i'm thinking some kind of uh high open forum where you have to pay 80 <laughs> 80 bucks to get into it and you got to wear rm williams and make sure you have a blazer with your junior yeah. gordon tie on it um something like that you know no i think there should be a fan forum i should think there should be fan forums as an opportunity for the fans to actually share their opinions and say what they think because without hearing the voice of the fans they're not going to know what is actually required uh, what, what the fans believe is actually required and there is so much frustration that i'm seeing out there on the uh on social media and look the difficulty is social media often sends up inflammatory posts or promotes inflammatory posts but every nearly every single comment that i'm seeing is calling this decision as wrong so i think that a fan forum would be a great opportunity to actually hear from the organization but speak to the organization as well the biggest fear i have around this is just that the they don't feel like they've done anything wrong i don't think the board is sitting here saying we've done we've upset people by doing this i don't think they currently think there's an issue so i don't foresee them opening up these channels that have never existed in the first place they probably don't want to hear from us because they know we'll just tell them how bad they've been going and what they need to do and bloody, 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 blah. Like my real fear is that nothing will change and that these yep. guys will keep running the game as they're running it. They'll employ some friend of theirs who they played juniors with in the North Shore somewhere when they were 10, who's now coaching, you know, off in Europe somewhere. Come, bring him back. He'll be the coach. They'll try and sign a few players in the off-season who are probably has-beens who aren't on much money anyway. And next year will still be the, the last of the competition. But in their minds, they've done something to fix that. But they won't have. That's my yeah. biggest fear, what will happen moving forward, that nothing will change because nothing has changed. 
looking at the past. Let's keep going into our next question with uh, Nelson Scoopdale. I'm pretty sure again. Yep. Uh, who are the options as head coach? <laughs> who are the options as head coach moving forward? Eddie Jones would be a massive long shot. Simon Cron have to be on top of the list, surely. I think I'd also add Michael Checker to that one as well. Um, Eddie Jones is currently under a lot of pressure within his role because of England's poor Six Nations campaign, finishing fifth. Um, I... Wouldn't be surprised if he gets the sack. I think it would be the wrong decision for him to get the sack, but knowing English media and English rugby governance, it would, it's, it's quite possible. Uh, Simon Cron, previous assistant Waratahs coach, got pissed off that he didn't get the head coach job uh, when Gibson left and he ended up heading across to Toyota Verblitz with Steve Hansen as well. So he's and been Michael over there Hooper. for... Yeah, and Michael Hooper, Kieran Reid, etc. Yep. So he he'd be a pretty good option having known the organization too. Um, but he's also doing really well in Japan. So why would he want to leave that and come back to a dysfunctional organization? Exactly. Exactly. In the first place. So My, I, I Yep. I'll let you finish. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. I've already ranted enough. You jump in. Oh, I was going to say, um, Eddie Jones, If in my in my opinion, if Eddie Jones does get fired from England, I don't think we'll see him taking up another big, large-scale corporate, rugby corporation head coach role for maybe 12 months. I imagine after the stress of going through that, he will probably go off and coach in Japan in like a part-time um, basis, have a year off, and then maybe reconsider where he sits i don't think he'll jump into the waratahs 2022 so in my books you'd scrap eddie jones out of there simon cron would be great from a tars fan perspective it'd be awesome to see him come back and coach us but as you said ando why would he want to they he burnt those we burnt the bridges when he left in the first place he's on good money over in japan why would he want to come back to a struggling organization who has just fired a coach who is more experienced than him to a team that's not got any foreseeable improvement in the line in an organization where it's volatile. You know, the, the onus gets put back on the coach and there's no support there. I don't think we're going to be able to find any coach of quality who's going to want to come to the Waratahs next year and take over from Penny because of the whole shamble that this, this was, the way that we got rid of him in the first place. We're going to have a real hard time trying to get anyone to come back. And they're not going to come back on big money either. Because we don't have the big money. We don't have the big money. Well. Yeah. You can't compete with international level, uh, national level play, uh, coaching contracts. So being able to afford someone like Eddie Jones is just, in my mind, out of the question. Uh, like hit him up for it, but I don't think you're going to get him. Now, Julia asks, this is a management issue, not a coaching issue. Agreed. We both agree with that. You don't suppose they've made way for the return of Michael Checker? I think I'll very quickly just say something and then Mitch, if you want to quickly <laughs> jump in as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was suspicious before this news dropped and I even thought to myself, Michael Checker is speaking a lot in the breakdown. So the, the show that comes in after the game on Friday and Saturday nights. Um, the wraparound? And- Sorry, the wraparound, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, that, um, yep, yep. The, the, the post-game show. Um, he was speaking a lot and really referring back to his time as Waratah's coach more than he ever has in the previous five rounds of the competition or four rounds of the competition. Yeah. And I, as he was, and this is, I was watching a replay of this at uh, midday-ish today. And at that time, I was thinking, this is a bit weird. He's referencing his prior history a lot more than he has 
Yeah, so, so just, he goes, he's yeah. sitting and he's analyzing the game and he goes, um, if I was, if I go back to my time as Wallabies coach, I'd be really happy with the performance of the Reds because they're showing consistency. They're showing they can yep. win, da, 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 da. But if I put myself back to my time as Waratahs coach, I would not be happy at all. And then he goes back through all these scenarios around why the Waratahs aren't good and what he would change in those situations. But yeah, as you said, Andrew, it's very interesting that he's putting himself in that in that situation. He's like, if I'm go back to my time at the Waratahs, it's like, yeah. no one's asking you for that, Michael, we're asking you now. And he also referenced a bunch of times um, that he'd been watching a lot of Waratahs tapes recently, previous Waratahs matches recently. And like, maybe that's for his analytical role. Okay. Maybe, but he's more of a, he doesn't do as much of the analysis as say Alana Ferguson or Morgs mm-hmm. or Googs. So anyway, um, Jamie Javier, honestly, I think he's a good bloke. I honestly don't know if he was right or wrong for the Tars, but ultimately the team looks lost. They have no idea how they want to play. And that's on the coaching staff, regardless of quality of the squad, something needs to change. Both assistant coaches should go also and half the board. How many of these players already have plans to play elsewhere next year? I say half of them at least. Well, Jack Maddox is, um, supposedly jumping off to Japan. Most likely, uh, we were talking before the pod, how, He's this is just a waste of a season for him in his prime. He should be in a team competing for the Wallabies 15 spot along with uh Jock Campbell and Tom Banks, and yet he's just completely out of the picture and not even in that Wallabies training squad. No, um, yeah. yeah, the the highlight here for me out of this question is how many of these players already have plans to play elsewhere next year now. As, as a professional rugby player, why would you want to stick around to the Waratahs in their current situation? Yep. You're going backwards in your ability. You're not getting any experience. You're not being coached and and mentored and and improved week on week. So there's no, you're not making your, the Wallaby squad. Why would you stay in that environment? We did have a good chat to some players after the game on the weekend that we were out at. Um, interesting to hear from them. They were very upbeat. They were also very... Um, thankful of us all being there and the support. Yeah, you could very much tell that they were told to say that to the fans. But also in saying that, there was still that kind of underlying feeling of just dissatisfaction with how they were playing yeah. in the whole environment. So the players who are coming off contract, I can I can see very much so that they wouldn't want to be putting further pen to paper. Um, hopefully some of the players that are, are, are on contract for next year or the year after will do stay around and don't um, end up going elsewhere. Uh, my biggest fear now is that Michael Hooper will see the situation at the Waratahs and do some kind of negotiation with Rugby Australia and come back and play for the Force or the Rebels or the Reds. I don't know. I just I don't see him wanting to come back to the Waratahs in the way, how they currently sit. What changes would you expect to see from the board moving forward from Gold Digger Rugby? Um, just further further communication with the fan base, really. Um, open those channels up. Listen to what Actually, people are telling you. let's take you. a step back, mate. What changes do you expect to see? Oh, expect. And not what do you want Sorry. to see? Because you're answering hope or want. Yes. But what do you expect to see? Nothing. Nothing. I don't expect, expect to see any changes from this board. We've not seen changes in the last five years. The board's been very set. They, we haven't had many members move in or out of that board setup. We haven't seen many changes in organizational structure or or planning. So I, I, I don't, they're in a hole, but I don't think that they're fully taking the, the blame for this. I don't think that they have put their hands up and say, actually, 
we're at fault here. We put us in this situation. We're going to do better to get us out of this. They haven't done that. They're looking for scapegoats and they're blaming other people. And I don't foresee them thinking that they're the problem or making any changes because, because of that. Yeah. And I think if I just briefly speak to what I would hope to see, because you've covered the expectations as well as I could hope for, um, I would hope to see greater fan engagement and opening it up to a public forum where there can be some level of uh, public accountability. But also, I think there needs to be on a board level a level of accountability, that there needs to be a significant change in the board leadership and just a general leadership of the organization itself. And it needs to be a commitment that there will be a certain percentage of board turnover by the end of 2022, or even the beginning of the 2022 season, that there needs to say by then 50% of the board will have been rotated through and it will be a new chairman and there'll be a new CEO, even though the CEO is separate to the board. Even so if there was that's some, what I would hope. Even if there was some kind of um, engagement from fans or not even just fans, but members even to say that these are the people that are going to going up as board members. Who do you approve? Who do you want to have? Um, as a, as a Waratahs fan of 10 years, I've never been involved in that situation. I imagine I need to be a lifetime member and paying $20,000 a year to be able to have <laughs> that kind of say. It's not realistic. Yeah. It's not going to happen, but that that's the only way we're going to see change by moving forward if we do that. I think so. And let's go to our final question uh, from Mark says, what next? An end of season audition for Gilmore to make a play for the job full time? Bring back a coach from overseas. Larkham, Coleman, Cron, Kiss, Mulverhill, or would Checker consider returning? What would be the fans' preference? Um, I think you spoke pretty clearly before about expecting or hoping for Kron to come back. My money is on Checker taking a role at least for a one-year interim position with maybe one of the assistants being marked to take over the role after 2023. I know Checker is also the head coach of the Lebanese national team in rugby league, but there's so little to be done on a day-to-day basis with that at this point because of the lack of international travel. Um, and plus most of the players are just based in Sydney anyway because they all play for the NRL. Um, it just means that... I think he would actually be able to do both roles. And I think because of his almost talismanic figure within New South Wales rugby, he could do it in an interim capacity with somebody like Jason Gilmore or Chris Whitaker, probably Jason Gilmore because of his understanding with some of the younger players that he's brought through the um, under 20 setup. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the one who was tagged as the future uh, coach in 2023. So my guess, if I had to put money on it, checker for interim role next year as almost like a director of rugby but with Gilmore as the head coach underneath him oh he loved that director of rugby he's got such a great um affinity for that role I mean Scott (laughs) Johnson and him got on so well for the Wallabies I know know. (laughs) but that's my pick that's my pick I I think realistically what you said is probably more what's going to happen I think checker is earmarked to come forward and to be announced as the Waratahs coach moving forward. If that is the scenario, it makes sense as to why they've got rid of Penny right now. If they've already had conversations with Checker and said, will you come back next year or will you come back in two weeks? We'll we'll say that we're doing this, but we'll announce in two weeks' time that Checker's being our man for the next two years and or year and three or four games, whatever it is at that point, um, and he's going to start immediately. That would make more sense why they've got rid of Penny straight away because they have that 
that plan in place. Um, for me personally, I don't think bringing Checker back is going to solve any problems. If anything, it's probably going to make more. I have question marks around whether Gilmore's currently ready to step into a head coach role, particularly at this level. Yes, he did really well with the under 20s, but that's a different level than super rugby. He's yeah, going up against, he's coaching boys in the under 20s. He'll be coaching men. He's doing good things for the Waratahs at the level that he's at. Maybe in a, in two to three years, he might be ready to take it, the step into that role. But again, that's a two to three year plan that the Waratahs need to set up now and support him through that. Um, for me personally, I th- I would love to see Darren Coleman come back and and have a go at, at coaching the Waratahs. He's shown that he's able to come into a club fresh and turn results around completely, kind of like Checker did with the Waratahs. He he did it for Eastern Suburbs and he's now done it for Gordon, come into and within a year, taking them from sort of end, bottom of the table to title contenders to winning the shoot shield. Um, he's over coaching the LA Giltinis at the moment. I don't know what kind of money he's on over there. I would imagine he's probably well paid to be to coaching in that sort of setup. So I don't know if we are able to get him back, but for me, I w- that would be my choice. That would be the only person I think that we may be able to swade to come back and coach in Australia just because he's craving to get to that next level to coach at super rugby level or even international. This might be the stepping stone that he needs. Anyone else in the world, I don't know why as an established coach, you would want to bring yourself into this setup. It seems like such a hostile, vendative environment um, that's really not conducive to success. So I don't know why you'd want to join it. I think we now need to just quickly touch on the where to from here. Now we've already spoken about that. I think if we just summarize it and then Mitch, if I have missed anything in this summary, Mm -hmm. we might end it with this. So based upon what we've said so far, where to from here, number one, there needs to be immediate clarity from the board in terms of the longer term planning for the coaching and direction of the squad. That's in terms of any changes to the player recruitment process, player retainment process, the um, people that they want to be putting in place for the coaching role in the short and then longer term as well. So that's point number one. So greater clarity about organizational planning and actual retainment of players and staff. Two, in terms of player of fan engagement, there needs to be direct communications with fans, particularly members, but as well, just general rugby fans or Waratahs fans with an explanation of the thought processes. Well, not necessarily an explanation, but if they do part one with the, this is where we're going as a team and as an organization that will be a part of the communication to fans, but you need to give fans an opportunity to, uh, to, to have their voice heard. And in our interactions as a rugby union podcast, the Waratahs are the worst super rugby team at communicating with the fans and media. So that needs to change for them. That's the second point. And then the third point is that there needs to be a reorganization of the player pathways or the systems that are trying to provide this steady stream of quality younger talent that can then join the Waratahs organization and have a level of effectiveness that we typically see within New Zealand super rugby teams, which just is not present within Australian super rugby teams. And some of that might come down to New South Wales support 
for an NRC competition being revived in 2022. Some of it might come down to greater collaboration with the Shoot Shield clubs and maybe getting some of the key players brought into training camps ahead of time. Maybe something along those lines or greater New South Wales involvement in Shoot Shield, Waratah's coach involvement in Shoot Shield to try and identify some of these players early. This, those are just some of the three points. Number one, organizational clarity about their future. Two, fan voice. Three, organizational structure in terms of player pathways and the, the um, ways in which they're able to actually gain talent. How does that all sound? Pretty good. Pretty good. The only other thing I would say is we need, I think we need a refresh on the board. So yes, regardless, yes, yes. regardless of if they do those things or not, and if they do those things, great. It's what needs to happen. But we also need a new chairman. We also need a clean out and new people on that board, a fresh perspective, because they've been there for a number of years and we haven't seen any improvement. They've overseen us get to this, to this low point in the Waratahs trajectory and are now starting to shift the blame, but it really is them who've allowed us to get there. So we need other we need other people to come in and, and have a fresh fresh view on how we can get out of it. Yep. Okay. I think we need to finish this pod there and say thank you very much, dear listeners, for getting to this point of the pod. It's been some massive news. It's glad that we could be here to go through it with you. Sad that it's happened, but glad we could be here with you. So thanks so much and keep an ear out or an eye out for the following pod, which will be released on Tuesday morning about the round five reviews and round six preview. I think we're up to round six and round seven, but yeah. Thanks Damn everyone. It. Damn it. <laughs> thanks As everyone. I was saying, I'm like, crap, what round are we up to? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's what I get for doing it this late at night. All right. Go well team. And we'll see you in our next episode. Bye. Bye.